Media. As consumers, we are bombarded by it at every turn, like the Incredible Hulk being bombarded by gamma rays. But what makes some media endure, while others are banished to the forgotten black hole of obscurity, never to be heard from again? Who or what decides this? Hetero life mate Steve and Yehel want to know, and they want to know now. This is Obscurity Now. now, 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 now. And what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Obscurity Now. My name is Steve, and with me is my co-host. Yeah, hell, how's it going? Uh, it's going great. I'm ready to delve deep into the void of obscurity and see what we can scoop up and put into a little bag. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, what, what are we doing with this bag, Steve? <laughs> well, you throw it away, because if you leave it in the park, you'll get fined. That's right. Oh, I, this is a dog poop analogy. <laughs> oh, I thought this was the environmental episode. Oh, no, we'll save that for Captain Planet if we ever get around to that. A very special episode of Obscurity. <laughs> yes, where we learn how to save the environment. Um, like, that's very 90s. And uh, speaking of 90s, boy, we've got a film that is straight out of the 90s today. What film is yes, it? Yes, it is. Yeah. It is uh, Generation X. That's right. It's a Fox TV movie. But before we get into it, uh, if you're listening to us live and you can't make it through the whole episode, boy, are they long. Although we're trying to keep it down, uh, you can always come back later, watch us on YouTube, or if you're one of those multitaskers while you're doing yard work or, uh, I don't know, building a barn or something, you can, mm. can listen to us on wherever you find podcasts. What's your favorite way to enjoy Obscurity Now, you hell? Uh, as a host. <laughs> well, there's only two people who get to do that for now. I mean. <laughs> uh, I use, uh, I can't, I, I, whatever Android app I use for my podcast, I can't remember the name of it. It is Podcast Static that shows up. If you do a search, uh, I'm sure it shows up on pretty much anything that uh, is tied into Apple's uh iTunes search engine. Wow, I wasn't expecting like a professional answer. Um, speaking of phones, I just had to mute mine so I can give everyone my undivided attention as we talk about uh, Generation X. And uh, we are gonna get right into it. So here's our feature presentation bumper. Welcome to your feature presentation. What did you say? <laughs> oh, I was uh, hosting the channel on my Twitch uh, channel, and it's working. Oh, fantastic. Um, yep. I can see all the people in the chat already. It's uh, working like gangbusters. <laughs> 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 but uh, so, Yehel, what is your um, history with Generation X, either be it the comic book or the movie, not the actual generation? <laughs> <laughs> I had never seen the movie. Um, I vaguely remember its existence. Maybe I probably, I'm sure I saw it advertised mm -hmm. or heard sort of it throughout the years. Uh, and the, even though I was a pretty avid reader of X-Men comics in the 90s, mm -hmm. I never read like any of the Generation X comics. Like for me, it was hard enough to like get like uh, to know all of the years and years and years of backstories of like the regular X-Men books. Mm -hmm. I wasn't about to add another uh, X title to my X life. Right. 
<laughs> your ex-life. So all this time, you've just been a corporeal spirit. <laughs> I always knew it. Pretty much. You should, be, Pretty much. should probably be more of a Ghostwriter fan then in that regard. But, uh, but no, no, <laughs> I actually watched this movie, in quotation marks, uh, mm. on Fox when it premiered. And uh, then I remember going to school the next day and me and my friends uh, talking about it and how we felt about it, much like we're going to do here. But now it's 2021, not 1996. Is that the right? Yep, 1996. So, so this was on Fox News, the, the <laughs> network, not like some kind of, not one of their cable offshoots. It was on the regular Fox, Fox is... network, uh, like where you would find such shows as The Simpsons or Martin or In Living Color. <laughs> Uh, yes. Yeah, those were uh, big staples in my life. Or Lego Masters Builders, whatever that new show with Will Arnett is. Oof, I don't know. It'll be obscure soon. Trust me. <laughs> it looks pretty bad. Well, man. <laughs> it's a future episode. Yeah, for sure. Uh, man, I can't even remember the last time I sat down and like watched actual like Fox Network. Network. Ooh. I mean, that just gives mm -hmm. me the, the willies here. But no, as far as the comic book goes, yeah, I remember when... The comic uh, came out. In fact, speaking of the comic, there's the number one cover uh, right there. I remember it was a really cool uh, chromium cover. And now the comic, it actually came out two years prior to this cinematic masterpiece. And uh, much like yourself, I mean, despite its cool color and the fact that it was a number one, because I'm sure, you know, they were thinking, oh, even back then they were like, oh my gosh, so much X-Men continuity. We need a a number one for all the, like the hip kids to jump into right, so right. they don't have to worry about your uh, you know your daddy's x-men but uh yeah i mean i was never i was never interested in like the i mean this is basically x-men you know junior like these are like the training right. guys like why would i want that when i could watch watch when i could read rob leefield's x-force where you know mm, the real exactly <laughs> these mercenaries doing things with lots of guns and messed up feet and pouches i mean yeah i was just gonna say these guys barely had pouches yeah I mean. <laughs> how disappointing uh but the arts because i did read um the number one issue to compare it uh, to the to the tv movie uh did you get a chance to read it by any chance uh, no. Uh, well, I mean, you didn't miss much. I mean, the art, I mean, is pretty great, but like writing wise, I mean, the dialogue isn't that far off from what we got in the movie. Um, and uh, the uh, the story is basically, you know, it's just them. There's a lot better characterization. Like you get an actual idea of who the characters are, unlike in the movie, which we're going to see coming up. Uh, but yeah, basically they just, go to an airport for some reason. And then they happen to run into, I guess, who was gonna end up being their their main villain, this weird looking elephant man type guy. <laughs> in fact, mm -hmm. oh, that was like one thing, uh, Jubilee in this issue was like so obnoxious. Like everything she says is like a quip or she calls the guy like Snuffleupagus at one point, just a constant stream of like references and stuff. And it's like, Come on, like dial it down just a little bit, but uh, but it's God, it's like a 2017 Roman Reigns promo. Yeah. <laughs> is that how they are? I don't know. I've a... they had him say suffer and suck attack. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's awful. But um, let's take a look at the wiki for the comic. Let's hope I there it is. Oh nope, that's not it at all. Give me one second, and there we go. All right, so uh, you're seeing the wiki now, right? 
Uh, yes. Okay, so Generation X is a fictional superhero team appearing in American comic books published by Marvel Comics, a spinoff of the X-Men. The team was created by Scott Lobdell and artist Chris Bacallo. Generation X debuted during the 1994 Phalanx Covenant storyline and appeared in their own monthly series in September 1994 with Generation X number one, November 1994. Uh, they, the Generation X consisted of a, a teenage mutants designed to reflect the cynicism and complexity of the series' namesake demographic. Unlike its predecessor, mm. the New Mutants, the team was not mentored by X-Men founder Charles Xavier at his New York estate, but by Banshee and former supervillainess Emma Frost at a splinter school in Western Massachusetts. It would have been funnier if they opened it up like down in Florida, um, but uh, I don't know. That's just <laughs> where my mind goes sometimes. The book's original creators left in 1997. The series was canceled. At issue 75 in 2001, 16 years later, it was the original series that ended. Second volume debuted in 2017 as part of Resurrection with uh, Jubilee mentoring a group of students in rechristened Xavier Institute. So it lasted 75 issues. Not bad. Okay. Um, considering. I mean, for an X, but for an X book, that's kind of bad, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think even then, the. Um, the market was probably already like going down. Yeah. Uh, but uh, let's see. I think I had some other. Uh, there's the White Queen again. Uh, that's how you get the boys to buy comics right there. Uh, all right. So this is a, a picture of the comic book version of uh, uh, Generation X. And uh, because I thought it would be interesting to compare the comic book one to the one we're going to see in the movie. So let's see who's here. We've got uh, obviously the White Queen and Banshee. Everyone knows them. And then uh, M, like pfft, she doesn't even look like this in the comic, but her name is uh, Monet and Chamber. Uh, he's in the middle there. Uh, husk, there's no Husk in the TV version. Yeah. And uh, Skin, I mean, nobody looks like how they do in, in the um, movie at all. Penance. And Jubilee, not wearing her yellow trench coat for once. Um, so, okay, so take a look at that picture right there, you hell. Burn it into your memory. It's, it's burning. And so now here's the TV version. Ah, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I added those names myself. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, they, they made up some people for this. Um, now we've got uh, Banshee and, uh, and the White Queen slash Emma Frost. And then there's uh, Monet again. Uh, Skin, who looks nothing like he does in the comic. Jubilee uh, and uh, Mondo, who I'm told premiered in uh, issue number three of Generation X. And then this guy who was made up specifically for the movie. I think he's like basically the living embodiment of the 90s, but he's known as Refrax. And uh, mm -hmm. I can't remember if I mentioned Buff or not, but she was also created just for the show. Uh, and they're like, they're like power sets are really confusing. And plus are hardly ever even um, basically. Yeah, the, yeah. The powers are barely used. Mm -hmm. uh, for sure. So, I mean, that's basically the comic. So, all right, here's my, uh, basically this is a stills from the movie. So now, we can uh, get down to business with the IMDb of the film. Did you have anything else to say about the comic, Yehel? It sounds like it wasn't really a part of your uh, 
quote unquote ex-life, as you said. No, no, but I did uh, Google a little bit just to uh, just have some kind of familiarity with the comics. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I noticed once I started the the movie was that hey, some of these people does I didn't see them mentioned when I was reading about the comics. Mm-hmm. So I thought they were going to pull uh, like they did with the the thing that they did with the X Men animated series. I'm like, oh well, they're going to kill like one of these <laughs> new characters. And that that was my my hope. By the end of the movie, I was really hoping for some death. <laughs> There's mine. well from what i was reading um this was also supposed to be a uh, pilot for future either a future generation x tv show or a series of tv movies so yeah they should have done they should have given us at least one one morph that they could kill off in the first or second episode but no uh, sadly uh spoiler alert they all live and the most entertaining guy well, he ends up in a weird dream coma, but we'll get to that uh, towards the end. Um, but uh, anyway, okay, so here's the synopsis for Generation X, the Fox. Uh, well, first off, it was released in 1996. Uh, it's a TV movie, yeah, February, um, and on Fox, uh, basically. <laughs> it's directed by Jack Shoulder and uh, written by Eric Blankeny. And here's a synopsis. A group of young mutants, humans with a genetic variation that gives them superpowers and makes them feared by the population at large, begin training at a school for heroes. Their studies are interrupted when they must rescue one of their own number from a mad scientist who can enter others' dreams. Yes, Professor Kruger should have been his name, Uh, but they might have gotten into a little bit of a copyright uh, problems yeah, there. Just a bit. So uh the cast here <clears throat> is uh start off with who I think is like the only shining beacon in this uh <laughs> muck I wonder who you're gonna say. Yeah Matt Frewer uh aka Max Headroom aka the villain Russell Tresh who I I saw was never in any of the comics as far as I could find. Uh, after that, we have uh, Finola Hughes, who was Emma Frost, uh, Jeremy Ratchford, it was a Sean Cassidy, where I also saw that he voiced him in the animated series as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Heather McComb was uh, Jubilee. Uh, Augustin Rodriguez is Angelo Espinosa, a.k.a. Skin. Uh, Randall Slavin is Kurt Pastorius. Bumper Robinson was a Mondo... Susan Davis is Arlie Hicks, and uh, Kurt Pastorius is Refrax, if I'm not mistaken. It was uh, produced by Avery Arad and uh, Stan Lee, you know, the powerhouse that brought us all of those uh, Fox cartoons. Um, mm. And uh, the production companies is, of course, Marvel Productions, MT2 Services, and here's, oh man, this one just says it all, New World Entertainment Films. Are you familiar with New World Entertainment Films? films or new world entertainment you hell no steve uh i when i saw that logo at the end i was like who <laughs> <laughs> well let me enlighten you uh that is a roger corman's company you know the b-movie mogul uh roger corman he did like oh. carnosaur and i mean he's done he's made more movies than there are stars in the sky uh and uh yeah <laughs> later on his uh he basically moved into TV and 
Yeah. I mean, he also did, his company did the original, you know, unreleased Fantastic Four. Have you ever seen that movie? Oh, yes. The 1994 Fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, yep. and yeah, so that just says it all because this is, uh, <laughs> this is everything. So, like Rod, yeah. yeah, Roger Corbett is about for the most part, except for, like, if you watch like his early films, especially in like the 70s and 80s, there's usually like a lot of like, lot of action and violence and uh adult situations obviously since this is a fox tv movie all that's going to be removed and they're not going to have the budget to do very many superpowers and yeah so uh i guess we should just uh get right into it um yeah. oh so that jeremy ratchford guy mm -hmm. did you know that he had also played logan before no wolverine logan <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Logan and Tech War, which was uh, like an IP created by Willie. <laughs> I know Tech Mike World. That's Captain Kirk from Star Trek. Oh, is this you reaching to try to make a Star Wars connection already? Or Star Trek? I'm sorry. Uh, Star Trek. You. Whoa. Sir. You were just going to. No, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I actually, I, at first I was because I didn't think there were going to be any other Star Trek connections. But then I saw our good buddy, uh, Matt Frewer, mm. in this. Yeah, yeah he was in a few uh, episodes, he right? Actually, huh? He was in a few episodes, right? He's in one episode of TNG mm -hmm. uh, where he plays like a thief from the future or a thief that he's who's pretending he's from the future. Oh. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so then I was like, oh, okay, great. I really want to see that now. Um, any, he's great in so it. So, our bud, do tell me uh, where, when did he play uh, Wolverine? He didn't play Wolverine. He played a, a character named Logan uh -huh. in an episode of Tech War. Oh, 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 man. I thought you were being sarcastic. Uh, that's a real problem. No, you no, need no, to no. work I, that I, out. Steve, <laughs> Steve, I had to like uh, scour mm -hmm. to, to, to find this. <laughs> and because like when I, I saw him at first, because like, I didn't like remember, uh, I didn't know what the Max Headroom guy's name mm. was. And I was like, okay, well, Jeremy Ratford first. Like I'll start going through it. I'm like, oh, this is probably going to be the only guy that I'm able to connect. Mm hmm. So, yeah, that was my very loose connection to uh, Star Trek. He was in an episode of Tech War, which was created by William Shatner, who, of course, is Captain Kirk. Bravo. I actually watched uh, Tech War quite a bit uh, back. We should, uh, we'll have to do an episode about that uh, at some point. But I watched a few episodes. I don't really remember much more, but yeah, I'd be down. Uh, but I even had a few of the comics. But uh, anyway, no, that's, um, that's, wow. Way, way to reach there. I love it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, oh, um, here, I have some questions about, first off, before we spoil this movie, even though we probably already have, you can watch along, or you can watch it first before you join us on uh, YouTube. <laughs> I guess it's readily available since Fox doesn't want to admit that it exists. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, no copyright claims on it. Usually, when when they've copyright put a claim on something on YouTube, it'll say you know a little blurb mm -hmm. underneath the video. Nope, they're just like. <laughs> oh man, I was so close to uh, cutting out like clips because there's some <laughs> there's some really objectionable dialogue in this that would easily cause this film to get canceled like here in 2021. Um, yeah, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to take any chances. But it, it, we we'll just say it that's much better than having someone else uh do it for us um but uh anyway yeah. so oh yeah did on your copy that you watched uh, did they have the marvel logo at the beginning with the you know yeah, yeah same here so, so they added that in, oh right? absolutely that that i was like wait a minute that thing didn't even it's exist it's like the logo from like 
2000 from like Iron Man one. Yeah, or two. yeah, yeah. I think what we watched was like the uh, European bootleg because I found I think it's here in my uh, slideshow. Um, if you're just listening and not watching this, there's a beautiful slideshow going on in front of us that's showing uh, just different clips from the movie. But um, yeah, someone uploaded like a, a faux like photoshopped VHS uh, cover that I think they probably used to sell this movie at comic cons and whatnot because i remember seeing it for sale um on you know various vendors tables uh back in the day because who who wouldn't want to watch this beautiful movie again i mean i'm glad we yeah. did <laughs> but uh yeah. but it's our job and this movie interestingly enough the version that we watched on youtube it has like full-on cursing like they dropped the f-bomb a couple yep, times that's the european version yeah all right so i just wanted to make sure we we watched the same yeah. one yeah that was kind of surprising it also made me question like i was like wow i can't believe he said that could they and then i'm not talking about the swearing i'm talking about some of the more uh, racist and pervy things i'm like did yeah. they have that back then it just didn't register or Racism, yeah, they 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 they've had it. For a while. <laughs> I mean, on I mean, on Fox. I mean, was it showed on Fox? I mean, you know, usually they just keep the racism behind the screen. You know, don't really put it in front right, of the right, screen. Right. Um, but uh, yeah. So anyway, so we open it up. Open up. Our, we have a cold open, basically. That's what they call it in the uh, the TV biz. Um, where uh, someone who's wearing uh, dinosaur gloves from Party City is being operated on <laughs> in, uh, I guess, some uh, government facility. And I mean, this really sets the toe for the whole film. Like they're about to cut into this dinosaur man. Uh, who knows? Let's pretend that it's Sauron. Everybody knows that guy, right? <laughs> sure. Dr. Sauron from uh, Star Trek Generations. Yeah, that's who I was uh, referencing. And definitely not the big green pterodactyl guy who lives in the savage right. land. Right. Um, they're about to cut into him for some reason. And bam, door bursts open. And in comes Emma Frost. And then she heroically pushes the guy away. <laughs> like, she, there's no, like... She doesn't use any of her powers. It's not even like filmed particularly well. She could have like kicked him or something. No, no. She just pushes the guy out of the way. Uh, and that just yeah. says everything about this film. And she's like, you know, you need to not operate on this uh, dinosaur man. And they're like, oh, like basically they just give him a sort of slap on the wrist. The little boys will be boys thing. And they're like, yeah, hey, he's just a mutant. So we're going to do it. And so, yeah, they, they literally say he's a mutant. He doesn't have any brains. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they got a they got a hammer home the old uh, the old analogy there. Uh, and then she gets mad and starts uh, turns on her powers, which consists of like uh, leaf blowers and strobe lights. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> and then the guys are sort of like, oh, they they're sort of pushed back, and then she points at them very dramatically and exits and that's our uh, cold open for a uh, generation x did that uh did yeah. that grab you as a viewer and make you want to know more or did it just make you laugh or make you question your life choices you know all of the above steve i it made me want to grab my phone and quit the podcast <laughs> uh, <laughs> well uh, you know i mean uh, yeah it just doesn't work because you know we don't know at that point uh, any what her powers mm -hmm. are i mean sure if you've read the comics okay fine you know what her powers mm -hmm. are but like the scene does nothing no. to help you know right away like 
you know, what her powers are, you know, what she's there for. Like, it was really not good. You would think a cold open like that would be used to establish some of the overall themes in the universe, a character or two. And in this case, since it's a superhero movie, some powers. Right. But, Basically, all it is is pretty doctor intervene point and leave. <laughs> yeah. And like some cops come in and like say, yo, no, we got to take. So these doctors are going to experiment on this guy. Mm -hmm. Emma Frost is there to save it, the, the lizard guy. Mm -hmm. Then these cops come in and say, well, no, stop. Not only are you not going to experiment on him, but you're not taking him either. We are. He's going to mutant jail or whatever because he doesn't have any rights. And then, like you say, uh, they tell the doctors, are like, oh, this is cleared by so and so. They're fine. They're not. Gosh, get it together. And then she points government yeah, bureaucracy. Just, like, <laughs> yeah. Real weird. Very confusing. Much, like, much like the movie. Um, and basically, I mean, just for a like stark overview of the entire film, we get. A very like we get the cold open, a very short like act one, the longest act two in cinema history, mm -hmm. and then like five to ten minutes of an act three slash uh, slash resolve. Um, and basically, what this movie really is is a teen drama with little bits of sprinkling of um, superhero stuff, uh, but. Um, we're going to illustrate that as we move forward. Um, let's see. What else do we have here? Um, Emma Frost pushes him. Oh, I like that they actually use the logo from the comic. Uh, that's, I applaud them for that, at least. Um, sure. And then I guess we're introduced to... <laughs> this is kind of... All right. So we are actually introduced to a few of the, uh, the Gen Xers. Uh, we start out with uh, Angelo, a.k.a. Skin, who actually is in the comic. And this, like, they actually tried to be, I mean, aside from the characters that I created for this, they really tried to be as comic accurate as possible. Um, and it's funny because the way they show his um, powers is he's saying goodbye to his family because he's going to the uh, Xavier's Institute. And then his, like, uh, sister... <laughs> Who's later referenced in the worst <laughs> in the worst yeah. way possible? Yeah, yeah. Um, try hold on. Just loves him so much. Can't let go of her brother's hand, and they try to drive away anyway. And then, bam! We see that he has basically um, Stretch Armstrong abilities, aka Mr. Fantastic. Right, holding on. Uh, but you know, at least as goofy as that shot was, at least they established. Sure. I agree. I agree. Um, but it's and her sister might be a mutant too, because that grip strength, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, that. Wow, you just made me look at this movie in a whole new way. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, so you know, you at least get characterization for him. Um, and then uh, there was something else I was going to say. Oh yeah, another thing. I just like how even in the comics they kept trying to describe his his abilities is something different other than Mr. Fantastics. But I mean, come on, let's be honest. That's exactly what it right. is for the most part. Or like, yeah. I would say a toned down version because he's just, they say that he was like born with additional skin and the skin is elastic. So I guess that's why he can't, you know, stretch everything or something. But anyway, we don't need to get too far into that. So next up we get, um, 
I think we go to uh, Matt Frewer, or is it Jubilee? I can't remember. Um, to I think we go to Jubilee. No, no, no. We we go to Matt Frewer because they established that he's been building this machine to go into people's dreams, mm -hmm. and he's been hired by some corporation, and they're use they're going to use it to like for marketing, basically, to get people to buy. Right, stuff. but before, but. Prior to his uh, the the dream machine that he's working on, he's basically been creating uh, subliminal advertising for this uh, company. <laughs> and this leads to uh, something hilarious in the in the next scene. Oh, and uh, let's just talk about Matt Frewer and his uh, performance in this. It is so good, but it's so weird because I swear, like, okay, this movie I think borrowed a lot from uh, Batman Forever. Uh, especially in the yes. in the cinematography department, because there are neon lights everywhere, and I remember yes. they did that in Batman Forever as well. And then on top of that, I swear, like either the director or the producers were like, "Hey, uh, Mr. Frewer, like we got you because we couldn't afford Jim Carrey. Do you think you can just act like he would?" And since Matt Frewer is a acting powerhouse, he was like, sure, I can do that. No problem. And I mean, tell me you were getting Jim Carrey vibes through his uh, performance. I mean, yeah, I mean, he does manage to make it his own thing. But when you look at it through the lens of it's 1996, mm -hmm. uh, it's hard not to make the comparisons to Jim Carrey. And like you said, I'm sure that's what they were going for, for Jim Carrey's performance. Yeah, one thing I'll say about Matt Frewer when he does like, turn on the evil like i really i believe it um whereas he he went he really went for he it. did he did uh and i just and it's sad the last time i remember i mean i'm sure he's been steadily working this whole time in like bit parts probably in voiceover but the last like big role i remember seeing him hit in is a watchman do you remember that I do not remember him in there. He played like a, he's like a villain on, or the movie or the HBO? Uh, the movie, the uh, Zack Snyder one. Uh, he's yeah, got I like, I don't know, they made his ears even pointier because I guess he just has naturally pointy ears. And um, he was, I guess, on some talk show complaining about getting beaten up by superheroes or something like that. Uh, eh, I'm sure if I saw it, I'd Yeah, but anyway, he's in there. He's in there. And I just, don't understand why his uh, star didn't shine a little brighter, uh, because I think he's uh, a genius. Um, they, they fear his talent. <laughs> it's true. He has the immune ability of being a good actor. Um, but, uh, you know, he's... Or maybe they're like, hey, after you said that thing at the end of Generation X about uh, <laughs> Angelo's sister, look, even though I know you were just reading a script, but we cannot be a How about the stuff you? he said about Angelo? But we'll, we'll get to that um, okay, later. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so he hams it up um, at the uh, evil corporation. This is a very typical uh, 90s trope. The superheroes are always fighting um, a corporation or advertising or something like that. Um, yeah. But uh, then we go to a arcade slash rave club. Because um, you have to have, if it's a 90s movie and you're trying to be hip to kids, you have to have like a, a rave-esque uh, club scene. And, Jub of course, and Jubilee of course. is there playing uh, arcade games, just like she was back in the X-Men pilot, which we reviewed all the way back in episode three. Make sure you check it out. Um, and the best part is that she's playing Virtua Fighter. Um, 
if there's something terrible, you know Sega's involved somehow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I mean, you had to be thinking. I mean, all right, I felt bad. But I was, I don't, I'm like, yeah, I must be thinking this too. Um, I, dude, I, okay. So when I saw Virtual Fighter, I was like, it's, I thought it was really weird that they specifically say Virtual mm-hmm. Fighter, right? So that already like sets off alarm bells that it wasn't some generic made up name, video game name. So then I'm like, wait, is Sega like involved in this? Did they pay for this promotion? But the way that like Virtual Fighter gets used is basically when we get the reveal of like how Matt's, uh, What's this character's name? Trash. The bad guy, mm-hmm. Trash. How he was using the uh, dream machine to use these suggestions in people's minds. Play more. Make them play more virtual fighter. Yeah. Like his face comes out in their minds, but it, to them, it looks like it's coming out of the screen and he's like, play more virtual fighter. Mm-hmm. And then later, like like a few scenes later, they, they're in some boardroom talking about how like, oh, look, sales of virtual fighter are up. So Sega in this world hired these people to use mind controlling brainwashing technology. <laughs> I believe it. Nineties Sega, they were uh, they were ferocious. <laughs> I I mean, dude, like, what a weird way to like be like, yeah, sure, put us down for that. Yeah, yeah I'm Sega. I'm okay. With uh, this. For more Sega hijinks, make sure you check out our first episode ever where we uh, reviewed their infomercial um which is a uh, very kind of similar to this movie in a way yeah actually that refrax guy reminded me of max mm-hmm. from <laughs> absolutely roast oh yeah well he is a uh, refrax is i mean he's basically bart simpson as like a 17 year old or seven there see there uh, that's the um virtual fighter like um mm-hmm. sweepstakes that you could enter to <laughs> That it's something to do with uh, Generation X. Um, but yeah, I mean... You could enter to win a chance to not watch the movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I felt bad because I remember um, I also went... Please don't don't tell anybody this. But I, I remember my friends and I, we tried to go watch House of the Dead in the, um, in the theater. And they have all those Sega logos everywhere. And then that mm-hmm. uh, movie was absolutely terrible. So... That's why I say if it's something terrible, Sega's involved with it. But of course, the Sonic movie changed all that. They're they're a new company. They're a powerhouse uh, of media. Yeah, yeah, they're they're back. But uh, anyway, back to the powerhouse of TV movies, Generation X. Um, yeah, we see that uh, Jubilee is um, clearly uh, Caucasian and not uh, Chinese American. For some reason, she was uh, whitewashed. I don't really understand why. Um, Really weird too because they didn't do that to skin. No, oh man, he was. Do uh, you think he was too much? <laughs> like, so as a Hispanic person myself, mm-hmm. he was like, because I hate whenever there's a uh, Hispanic character in media and they like over Hispanic them, mm-hmm. like you know, just very typical, like oh, like they'll always make them into salsa dancing or <sighs> like always like throw in Spanish words in the middle of their sentences. Mm-hmm. They 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 do these like weird tropes that are just like it's a small percentage of like Hispanics that are like that. And I don't they came really close to doing that in this movie, but I don't think it was too bad because it mostly happens when he's uh with his family at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. So that kind of makes a little more sense because in my family, I know with my siblings, we kind of spoke a lot of Spanglish to each other. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I'm talking to like someone who only knows English, I'm not going to sit there and like throw in some Spanish words. Why would I do that? Do I not want them to understand me? Right. Um, so I, I didn't think it was too bad. I did think 
you know, at the end, I'm just going to mention this now because I doubt I'll remember too later. Mm-hmm. At the end of the movie, he has like a little dancing scene where he's like doing salsa moves. So I was kind of like, ugh, why? I'll tell you why, why that scene was in there because they were trying to like, like because of Pulp Fiction, like every everything had to have oh. a dancing scene in it in the 90s for some reason. And they even referenced Quentin Tarantino at one point. Uh, yes. It's yeah. in my uh, notes here somewhere. Uh, another thing about the cinematography um, is uh, they do <laughs> what's called a Dutch camera angle, which is that slanted, it's like slanted for no mm-hmm. reason, uh, created by the Adam West Batman uh, TV show. And I mean, that's just something that people did, I would say, because they that's what they think comic book movies are supposed to look like. Like if you have no idea what you're doing, you'll go, oh, I'll just make it look like Batman. <laughs> the Batman uh, TV show, uh, which I think um, like this director, I looked up his stuff. He basically, his filmography is basically a bunch of schlock, like um, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, a bunch of other sort of like sequels and like genre stuff or whatever. So I can see a guy like him uh, just putting in Dutch camera angles for no reason. (laughs) But uh, let's see. I remember they go to the police station. Actually, that's uh, pretty soon after the um, uh, the scene with um, Jubilee and the uh, the rave, and um, yeah. it's all blue. Lots of weird lighting. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Like yeah. In, it's it's green on the outside. Like there's a bunch of green neon mm-hmm. lights that you were talking about earlier on the columns, and then inside where the office part of the police station is, it's like bathed in blue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say then that the jail had like a purplish tint mm-hmm. to it. Like actual jail cells, real weird. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, so I forgot. Why did she end up in prison uh, or at the police station? Because so at the at the arcade, she ends up uh, using her powers while playing. She gets so into Virtual Fighter because Steve, it's an amazing game. I don't even know why Steve is trying to brainwash people because it's it's so good. It'll it'll make your mutant powers come out. <laughs> So she starts uh, zip zapping and like sparks mm-hmm. fly everywhere. And then people are like, oh, she's a mutant. And some cops come out of nowhere. Apparently cops are just constantly on the lookout for mutants. As well, they should they're be. Like, they're a menace, you hell, a menace. Well, I mean, Steve, obviously you, you won't hear me uh, complain about their arrest. <laughs> but... <laughs> Let's talk about. No, but yeah, it's just uh, interesting. Like the, all the lipstick and the rave is like this weird, shiny, uh, like at least especially on jubilee it's like this i don't know it must have been like the popular i, I think yeah i think it was i don't know i, I think they were trying to highlight because she does wear like a yellow jacket mm-hmm. i don't think it's quite a trench yeah actually it's there in the picture uh so she wears like a yellow jacket so i think they were just trying to highlight the yellow but i think some of the other girls had it too whatever it was just i don't know i thought it was funny that they all Steve, had ju- ju- i don't know jubilee's character was so effervescent i couldn't pay attention to anything else on oh screen. man she was uh, awful like i i think that that jubilee is what kept us from getting a jubilee in the regular x-men like feature film i i think they sat down and they were like hmm should we go with Jubilee? Oh, no, no, no. She sucked in the Generation X movie. Let's just do Rogue instead. Um, I mean, well, you know, the, something else about the arcade was, and I don't want to like drag on the conversation about this one scene too long. I don't want this to be a five hour podcast, but did you notice that in the background there was an X Men arcade machine? 
Oh, how could I miss that? No. And and it's and it it was put. I it took almost a quarter of the screen, so it definitely was on purpose. <laughs> so in this world, there's like X Men arcade. There's like X Men characters, uh, and real mutants also. <laughs> that's funny, but I also I also think that's uh, kind of interesting. Um, I guess to jump ahead a little bit. Okay, so um, basically to get out of the police station, that's when uh, Banshee. Uh, sounding like the uh, Lucky Charms Leprechaun and Emma Frost mm -hmm. uh, show up. And she uses, we finally get to see her actual powers instead of just strobe lights and, you know, leaf blowers. She uses her pa mind control powers to get uh, Jubilee out of prison. And here we get one of our many 90s references, which I think I wrote them all down. Obviously, I missed the X-Men arcade one. She goes, Officer Hootie and Blowfish. <laughs> Mm -hmm. it's so bad i love it i love it Ugh. um and uh and then they end up uh just to jump ahead real quick they end up at the xavier institute but as the movie goes on they never even talk about or make reference as to why xavier or any of the mutants are they're just nowhere to be found <laughs> it's like they yeah they were living somewhere else at the time and yes we read earlier that uh in the comic book they were trained at a different location why didn't they just use that why did they have to use uh the xavier's institute for yeah because because in this film <laughs> uh it certainly it's like the implication is this is the xavier school yeah, for the gift absolutely uh and also another uh fun fact they used this same i guess it's a castle for the Xavier Institute in X2. Um, so, yeah. Um, I had a feeling it was using one of the movies because I'm like, man, this looks so familiar like it was used before. So, glad you looked that up. It feels like home. Um, so, let's see where we're going here. All right. So, basically, our new characters uh, show up. All the other X Men, uh, or X Men, excuse me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. My mistake. All the and other the X teens, yeah, the X teens. That's it. Well, they're still teens, right? They're all they're not X teens, but they are. X all right, I'll... I like X teens. <laughs> they should have gone with that at some point. Um, but then it sounds like they're not teens anymore. Oh yeah, like they're <laughs> dead. Um, oh, I just meant like they like they're adults. Right, right. Well, I mean, they're, I'm pretty sure most of these actors are. 18 to look younger if not older but yeah uh, oh for sure for sure but yeah so they're all playing football the the uh it's a nice co-ed game of uh football by the way like just look at all the diversity in this film diversity wasn't something that was just created by disney five years ago just so everyone knows um and uh then then we basically get the old hey check out the new kids like kind of cliche uh trope um and you know, Refrax and the other guy who I, mean, I wasn't even sure that guy was, um, but Mondo. And again, they, they really tried to be comic accurate because in the comic, that guy's a Samoan. And I think that actor is probably Samoan. At least he... Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't know if it's diversity as much as they were trying to stay. In fact, I would say this uh, film actually fails the diversity mm -hmm. and the diversity department because they made Jubilee. One. That is so if, any, so if anything, Steve, I hate to break it to you. This movie is the opposite. Well, all right. <laughs> Just pay attention to the comics then. And back, you should probably <laughs> pretend like this movie never existed. Yeah, um, yeah. This is this is not canon for anything. Right, yeah. Um, and uh, you, you get to see 
a bit of people's powers here and there throughout this football game. Um, like, is there anything significant that really happens here? Uh, I not really. I mean, I know Banshee, you know, comes out. They all get into a big fight because there's like a big pylon or something. And then Banshee comes out and uses his sonic screen to scream at them all. <laughs> That's the only time you see it, basically. Yeah, yeah. I think we only see it then and then at the end of the movie, basically. Um, but yeah, like not much comes out of this other than to establish that like the teens don't get along, basically. Like none of them really get along with each other except for Mondo and uh Rift tracks, refracts, whatever. You want to say rift tracks? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I love rift tracks, but refracts, however, yeah. um, we did skip yeah. over one um, kind of awkward scene where, um, like, for whatever reason, we oh. had to see uh, Jubilee, who's supposed to be 15, uh, take off her clothes and get scanned in to make sure that she's, I don't know, uh, not harboring yeah. any bugs or. Make sure she doesn't have COVID. Like they're uh, looking ahead to the future. Super, super weird scene where they uh, they want to body scan her mm -hmm. and like Banshee's like, oh well, you have to understand, we have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't enjoy it at all. Aside from all the photos I have in the closet. Yeah. Uh, now the weird, the, the funny thing about this, I mean, not, this scene's not funny at all actually. But they and they so they have Emma, uh, Emma Frost, like go behind jubilee to do it with her mm. and she's behind like some kind of partition right? right so like only emma frost is seeing her mm. but then after like while she's scanning her she turns to what's his face and goes and it's like you're next to uh, angelo mm. who's also like a teenager right so i guess she's gonna be naked with it like i don't know just very weird oh but that's okay boys will be no i'm just kidding <laughs> uh, it, it was yeah and that's not the only weird thing with like underage thing like i don't know real weird vibes well, like i guess they were desperately trying i mean you know i'm sure they're trying to appeal to like the 16 to 20 something demographic and i guess they wanted to have some kind of sex appeal in there, but with a character that's supposedly 15, uh, maybe that's not the best choice. Like, yeah, why didn't they make the sex appeal Emma Frost? Like, I thought that was the way for sure they were yeah. going to go. Like, she's always in lingerie and stuff mm -hmm. in the comics, mm -hmm. and she's fairly toned down here. You know what? All right, since we're talking about her, uh, have you seen the other X-Men movie that has Emma Frost in it? I believe it's Apocalypse or First yeah. Class. This is actually class, a better Emma Frost than that one. Like, cause this lady actually tries where the other Emma yes. Frost, like she just walked around in lingerie and hardly ever even talked. Like didn't even have anything to do yeah. with it. And when she talked, it sounded like she was going to fall asleep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I thought that, um, I have her name here somewhere. Uh, Finola Hughes. And I, and I don't think she's a bad actress. No, she was uh, good. Normal. Um, I thought she was really good. And the only problem is, um, much like with our boy, uh, Matt Frewer, is that she just uh, wasn't on screen enough. Like, they were focused too much on the Gen Xers. And although I would say most of most of the Gen Xers are uh, decent and, like, trying, their characters were just so annoying that I didn't really want to yeah. hang out with them. Like, I don't want to... Don't want to be around their teen hijinks, you hell. Like, yeah, it's not like uh, not like Riverdale. I watch that every week. Uh, mm. <laughs> um, so let's see, where were we? All right, so all right, we got past the awkward scanning. We had the football thing. Banshee comes over and uh, screams. 
Uh, didn't we get a, did Refract show his uh, power at that point? I can't even remember. No, they talk about his power. They all say what their powers are. But right. For budgetary reasons, I'm sure they don't show them. Oh, yeah, that was the worst about this. And also, that's a very um, typical trope of New World uh, films is uh, a lot of telling and uh, not very much showing. Yeah, um, like Mondo can turn into or, or I guess absorb the properties mm -hmm. of whatever item he touches. But like if he picks up like a rock and he uses his power, he doesn't now look like a rock. He just is hard as a rock now. It's really lame. <laughs> it's very lame. Right. And so, okay, after they show up, basically after the football scene, we are into act two. And boy, does the pacing like just drop and... It gets pretty boring, um, but there are quite a few uh, 90s references. Uh, I wrote here that there was a there was a masturbation joke. Um, let me see. Steve, while you're looking up your joke, I do want to put a uh, human hyperbole commented implied. I'm sure this is sarcastic. Implied powers are so much more profound than, than stuff that happens. Oh, I agree. One hundred percent. Like I got I can fly. I just don't want to. <laughs> yeah um, i don't want to show off or get anywhere fast oh all right so we get another scene uh, after football we get another scene of matt frewer talking with his uh corporate uh friend and um basically he's telling him about the, the dream machine and how it's gonna you know give them so much power and revolutionize everything and of course corporate lackey guy is like eh, i don't know i don't think the board's gonna like this and then uh um tresh delivers the line i'm giving you genius and you're just giving me jock itch. <laughs> like, I, I will say, I do like some of the fun dialogue in this movie. Because um, they, I think they knew that it was going to be, you know, kind of boring with their lack of um, money. So they were just like, yeah, we'll just have fun with it. Uh, but of course, some of the choices aren't the best. Um, yeah. Let's see. What else do we have? Oh, yeah. And then the... Uh, the team ends up at a diner at one point and um, Mondo has an eat off with one of the other, uh, I guess it's supposed to be like a bully, like a townie, like just uh, yeah, a local. Yeah. Group. They're, they're in town and it, isn't it like uh, Angelo that wants to like, he like makes eyes with one of the girls yeah. that's like friends with mm -hmm, these jocks. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Mondo and Refrex, whatever his name is, they're already inside the diner. Right. The jocks and the girl go into diner. Angelo follows and uh, jock, uh, the alpha, the most alpha of the mm -hmm. jocks uh, notices that she's kind of looking at him and him looking at her. She's like, oh, why don't we invite your little friend over here? Right. And they sit down with him and then they like sarcastically offer him a banana split, which for some reason he's like, sure, because that's what you do. Yeah, you're offered a banana split <laughs> randomly that somebody else was going to eat, mm -hmm. but now they're willing to give it to you. And then they like, that put his head in the minutes. Like, all right, so this scene doesn't work on for so many reasons. Uh, number one, I like, I imagine, like, he just so easily went face first in that banana split, like, that it was, it doesn't even make sense. Like, there was no resistance at all. Like, it was just, it yeah. was just dumb. It was just there to serve a purpose for their, like, prank or whatever. And on top of that, isn't he supposed to be, like, to fit into the horrible stereotype isn't he supposed to be street smart? I would like, wouldn't it have been better if he like turned the prank around and then like through, you know, it's like, ah, I think you'd rather have it, you know, uses the skin, bam, like, you know, 
face first. The bully goes face first and the, you know, the, um, the banana split, but no, he, uh, like a, like a sucker or a mark, if you will, he just goes face yeah. first into it. And, uh, I mean, again, this is, well, to be fair, Steve, they do establish, well, I guess this isn't really a good defense of it because like later on it's established that they shouldn't be using their powers around the town people. Right. Okay. So we didn't have to use the skin, but just use his street smarts to outsmart the guy. I mean, that's, um, yeah, I mean, he was, he, and the, and you're right because he was suspicious of him the whole time mm -hmm. of the guy of the jock angelo is suspicious of the jock like he acts like he thinks something is going to happen to him but then does nothing about it right and uh here's another sort of odd thing that uh they sort of just i felt like was just sort of heavy-handedly like pushed into the movie is uh i guess emma frost was training them all in some sort of mind uh, telepathy or something but the only one who's like specifically able to use it is uh is angelo for some reason which is why they always show him at the computer i mean i just thought it was like uh, excuse me cerebro yeah that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say i, I just assumed that was cerebro did they actually call it cerebro yeah they call it cerebro mm -hmm. and all it is is a bunch of big crts it's a board a soundboard <laughs> yeah and, oh yeah and a giant mixer yeah, yeah you're right yeah yeah and yeah, very, very underwater. Yeah, so for basically no reason at all, he had he has his skin abilities and the ability to travel into the dreamscape. Um, well, he doesn't have the ability to travel into the dreamscape. Like they're like you said, they're developing all of their powers, right. their mental mm -hmm. powers. And there is that one girl, I think it was M, who could like guess like every card or whatever right. like that Emma had. Mm -hmm. But yeah, in this movie, apparently, like all mutants have telepathic powers. Mm -hmm of some level and you just have to develop that's not fair <laughs> that is lame but but see in this movie though like like the, the mutation gene isn't even like though is it like mutations don't even work the way that they do in the comics at all like because later on trush tries to extract the x factor mm -hmm. from uh one of angelo's brain cells mm -hmm. or something but then emma says Oh, he's been so long in the dream world. Tresh has been so long in the dream world. He may have already mutated. Oh yeah, what? that was oh, that was horrible. And he does, and he does. Yeah, that basically broke the world. Like any uh, like any rules that were set up by Stan Lee uh, and what whoever else wrote the X Men, like that, that just like they broke it um, at that point. But yeah. I mean, this is before the movies, so I mean, but the cartoon was going strong, like. I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, it's real weird. It makes no sense. Em Emma even says that like humans uh, could travel in the dream world if they wanted to, but it's she says it's too hard for people to develop their psychic powers, so they use technology instead. Now, uh, let me ask. So I guess everybody can, yeah. can just have powers. Right, so let me ask you this. Why do you think they went with this dream scenario? Because, I mean, as far as I can tell in the comics, there's no trash, there's no dream world stuff. Like, why do you think they went that way? I mean, I have an idea. I just wanted to see what you think. My guess is budget. Yeah, there you go. They can, make, <laughs> they can make things look sparse mm. and be like, oh, it's because it's the dream world. They can right. make things look weird with like odd lighting to hide the fact that there's nothing in the set mm -hmm. or, or the set's like poorly built or whatever. 
So that, that, that's how I took it. I'm like, this is definitely a budget thing. Yeah. Oh, there was also a scene where, um, okay. Human hyperbole. I just chimed in also budget. <laughs> <laughs> Way yeah. to go. Give that guy a job. We'll, um, Human hyperbole, you get two obscurity bucks. Yes. Yeah. We're going to pay that guy <laughs> double on what we're making. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah. There was, um, okay. So after the Cerebro scene, um, we're taken back to uh, one Mr. Tresh, and he is now uh, pitching the dream machine idea to the entire board, like the most generic looking uh, business people you can imagine. Um, yeah. And uh, God, this if there was any kind of like, I don't know, dignity that this movie had, this scene pretty much kills it. <laughs> where he's like and i don't even know again like how this would work because like does your mind control your flatulence like oh, i'll just jump into it basically he says to demonstrate my power i went into your dreams last night and implanted the suggestion that at a certain period like at 2 45 p.m today you're just gonna start farting uncontrollably <laughs> And basically <laughs> everyone, every one of the business people uh, sitting around the table just start farting. And uh, and I feel yeah. like less of a human being for having experienced it. <laughs> and dude, like it, that took a film that already wasn't great, but at least it, it, it was like kind of fun though mm. in the, okay, it's not taking itself too seriously kind of a way and just like really brought it down. Oh, into the gutter, man. Into the, I mean, that just says to me, like, you know how when people treat all uh, wrestling fans, like, you know, gutter trash, like that's how I started thinking that, that like, they're like, ah, oh, people who read comics, they're just like infantile, immature, like they just like right. fart jokes that are deplorables. Yes. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, that, uh, I mean, that was unfortunate, really. Um, but but we still kept watching <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. And um, and yeah, that's when we get the scene. Uh, we get some uh, stay. Actually, there's some training at one point. Uh, well, one thing about the board scene, mm -hmm. Steve, if you don't mind, oh, go for uh, it. is the board, they tell him like, okay, we're going to think over what you said after the demonstration after. So they tell Tresh to leave. And the board is like the most ethical <sighs> businessmen you've ever seen on television because they're like, guys, we cannot make money this way. This is unethical. So what you're saying is that they weren't like Sega at the time. <laughs> it was Yeah, which is weird because like they already knew that like what he was he just did what they hired him to, yeah. right? But then they were like, this is too much. We can't, we can't have the power to make people fart at work. I'm glad you brought that up because I was like, yeah, this, uh, they sort of did a 180. Like, uh, they were like, oh, uh, like the writer, he was like, oh, big business. They aren't bad. Look at all these ethical people here. Right, um, right. And uh, so anything else to say about that scene? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, that, that was, I just want to point out how odd it was, it was odd. that suddenly the, the executives were the upright. Citizens. I mean, in any other movie, one guy, guy would have started slow clapping, and then they all would have started clapping. Stood up, he would have gotten, he would have gotten a promotion. Is what would have happened. Yeah. Uh, and then, before you know it, he's the head of Amazon or Tesla. Um, <laughs> so uh, okay, so after that, there's a training scene, and what I guess is supposed to be the danger room, but to me, it looks like the aggro crag from Nickelodeon Guts. 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> or like uh, a poorly lit quasar. Oh, quasar, quasar or Qzar. 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 Oh, yeah, because, you know, laser tag was all the rage back then. Um, and uh, and then we're treated to uh, Jubilee and her dirty mouth. Um, and uh, there was a someone said shake it toots to someone. I should have wrote that down better, but but whatever. Yeah, now I start writing. I was like, God, this is dragging too much teen drama, not enough superhero action. And um, the human hyperbole called it the mild concern room. <laughs> that's brilliant, man. That's really good. Yeah, that is. <laughs> Something might be happening. Quick, like arm yourself. Um, then they... Uh, Okay, so we get Refrax and Buff, who are uh, developing a relationship. Um, they get into uh, the back of some vehicle. Um, well, it should be pointed out that Buff has been wearing, she's been wearing baggy really clothes. huge baggy mm. clothes the whole time because she's ashamed of her body for the uh, unique reason. I, admittedly, okay, this is like kind of a unique reason is that she's very muscular mm -hmm. she's underneath and she's like embarrassed by how muscular she is. she is so this is the first time someone's ashamed of being in too good a shape got it yeah. and and actually steve uh i think back when they were in town during the diner mm -hmm. thing there was a scene where she's like clothes shopping with jubilee and she goes to like you know try on some clothes or whatever and they do a shot of her from the back she like takes off her shirt so you mm -hmm. see from the back from like the top of her back down or in her bra and clearly they just put like a bodybuilder in a bra <laughs> that was so funny and, and jubilee he's like flexing as he's like yeah <laughs> jubilee walked in and it was all awkward much like this movie yeah and uh yeah ooh, I'm, i can't believe i left that scene out but, but um but it's it but it really comes off like that maybe could have worked if they would have had some kind of padding under her clothes right. normally because you can see she's like a very thin framed Yes, and under her big bag of clothes. Right, and like one of the most it seemed like uploaded images when searching for Generation X, the TV movie, is uh, well for some reason she's the only one. Spoiler alert: who gets a costume at the end? And is she budget? They could only right. One. And is she all jacked like She-Hulk? No, no. Look at her there. She's right there. She looks like the greatest American hero, but as a as a girl. Um, like, yeah. oh, you gotta love those shoulder pads designed by Rob Liefeld himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, like I know, I remember Jubilee catches like a peek of her and she's all embarrassed. Actually, human hyperbole, he must, he must've been like a big fan of this movie. He's like, yeah, there's lots of peeping stuff that I remember. From the oh movie. yeah. And, uh, you know, you asked Steve if anything else important came from that football mm -hmm. scene when they first got, oh, to we're going to get to it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then I'll, I'll be quiet and let you continue. Oh, well, I mean, okay. So they're making out or whatever and they're at a carnival now. yeah well they were at the carnival but then they they got away from it and went to the back seats of their car right or were the well i feel like we skipped a ton of stuff because before they get to the carnival trash uh what's or i'm sorry angelo finds like that emma frost's version of the of a dream machine that's the same thing as trash's dream machine. right okay yeah and we he, skipped over the parts where he goes, he goes into the dream machine to do his training and uh, Tresh is in there and then Tresh tries to leave, but for whatever reason, um, 
uh, Angelo won't let him go. <laughs> so he gets... Well, Trish doesn't try to leave. They, the police that's what happens. show yes. up at... And and I gotta I'll give him credit for this. Angelo establishes to do Jubilee before they start to try out the machine themselves. That if you disconnect me from the machine, if like if you physically pull me out of the machine before I've put my consciousness back into it, I'll I won't be able to reconnect to my body. Mm -hmm. I'll be like stuck out there and kind of like a vegetable in the real so world. So they could and that's what happens to Trish. So they could stick to those rules, but they couldn't stick to the rules of becoming a mutant. Uh, how about that? Right. Um, yeah. So, and once they're in there, uh, is that when, okay. So first, I guess one of the driving forces of, um, of trash is that he needs this, uh, there's some mutant who, if they use his brain, then it'll give his dream machine even more power. And so, yeah, like trash is under the impression that mutants can all go into the dream world whenever they want he says that to him right right um but later on emma establishes that tresh always wanted to take like the mutant x factor from a mutant's brain and give it to himself just because he wants to have mutant power ah that's what it is that's what it is um but yeah and when they first use the machine um jubilee goes first she sees her parents and they're like kind of like oh i wish jubilee would talk to us and she comes out of the machine and she's like Oh, it was terrible. Don't go in there. And there was a weird guy, like as like Trash King comes up to her, and Angelo like writes like she's like crying in tears, mm -hmm. and Angelo's like, ah, well, you shouldn't have visited your parents. You idiot. Yeah. I'm going. To <laughs> That's what I I also liked. They really wanted a reason for Jubilee to go in there. Uh, I, I think she was talking about it with uh, M, and uh, M was just like, um, well, why don't you just talk to your parents? And she's like. Oh, I don't want to like have to face them and their lies. I want to see what they actually think or something like that. Right. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, which, wow. <laughs> what an awful um, <laughs> relationship that. And I think it also helped to establish that later on Jubilee tries to help Angelo. She's already been in the dream world and can tell Emma, yeah, there's this guy, blah, blah, blah. He looks like this. And Emma knows who it is by Jubilee's description of him and like what it's like. Right. So. Yeah. So, hmm. That almost feels like, you know, solid writing there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they, they have like, there's some flashes of, the dialogue is pretty bad all throughout, mm. but there's a few good ideas sprinkled in to connect parts of the story. It's just executed very Sure. Like, I almost feel like it was maybe like two sort of stories put together. It's like, oh, we've got this mutant you know movie we want to do but then we also have this movie that has to do with like dreams and stuff like well what do we do well let's just put it together we'll kill two birds with one stone genius yeah. and then it kind of becomes like the movie like at this point kind of becomes all about angelo yeah um mm -hmm. and trash any while angelo's in there because this is important for the carnival scene uh angelo i can't believe i'm saying this about this movie uh and trash helps angelo visit the blonde girl that he saw that was with the jocks mm -hmm. earlier uh, in the for dream world or whatever, and helps to like establish uh, a suggestion in her mind to like want to see him and like him, which to be fair, well, I mean, that's really creepy, right? Right. Uh, and really kind of effed up. But she already like obviously had a thing mm -hmm. for him anyways, because she was like saying that he was cute or whatever to her friends. So, um, but yeah, so Tresh has now helped uh, Angela. Mm, yeah, so, right. So that uh, sort of establishes their um, their relationship. Um, but the one thing I wanted to uh, reference just about um, Refrax and Buff, 
who are like making out or whatever is his uh i guess the rest of his mutation kicks in and um oh while he's making out with buff yeah and she thinks that he's uh or he goes back and tells uh mondo about what happened and they're standing right because he suddenly wants to stop making out with right him. right right um because he was they gave him x-ray vision basically uh, right. uh, where before he could only i don't know shoot out optic blasts or something um yeah i think that they said that he could see infrared or something mm-hmm. like that so uh predator um, and boy is he yeah. a predator is he a predator? <laughs> uh, because it's uh later when he's talking to uh mondo they were talking about her and he was like, oh, she, you know, feels all, I don't know, muscular or something. He's like, yeah, he, he says that she's solid as a rock. Cause I, so I guess like Mondo and him thought that she was overweight, I guess <laughs> before. This. And he was like, man, how do you know? And he's like, oh, I, I copped a feel when we were playing football. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he like tries to say something like, uh, well, I mean, not, yeah, I didn't mean to it. Just, uh, you know, we're playing football. Mm-hmm. As he licks his lips. <laughs> hey, it was the '90s, right? Boys will be boys, and all that. Yeah. Oh, and you, the when they were making out, he's wearing his sunglasses, which he has sunglasses on, ninety nine point nine percent of the movie. But while they're kissing, she says, "Can you take your sunglasses off? It makes me feel like I'm kissing Tarantino." Tarantino. Yes. <laughs> and that's what triggers his powers, I guess. Right. Like his full powers. Yeah. I mean. I was trying to think, I'm like, was he really known for wearing sunglasses that much? Or did they just want to make a Quentin Tarantino reference? Well, you have to understand, in 1996, everyone knew what it was like to quiz Quentin Tarantino. Oh, <laughs> <So>, you know. <laughs> uh, you remember it, right? Uh, I wish. Uh, no, no, I don't. Um, but, uh, okay, so, yeah, all right, anyway, she freaks out and runs away. Um, he goes to tell mondo about it and like the two girls are basically standing right there and they you know he gets accused of just being a you know perv loser or whatever jerk and what happens after that let's see she seems to think that like he was disgusted Mm -hmm. by what he saw you know right when his x-ray vision kicked in like i guess that's the implication uh human hyperbole said okay so my vague memories of this movie being creepy even for my prepubescent 90s standards is creepy. uh yes we have not gotten to the worst we're happy to help brother happy to help um buckles up so basically after the um carnival scene there's uh angelo goes back into the dream world and or wait is it a dream or, or he he gets to dance with that uh that girl that he likes a la pulp fiction style that that's way later. Is it? That's man. Way I must later. have got so, real bored. Okay, so so I I watched the second half of it this morning. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm pretty. It's pretty fresh in my mind. But like you, you like you mentioned earlier, Tresh does end up stuck in the dream mm-hmm. world because Angela holds on to right. him as he's being like physically removed in the real world from the machine. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing is, Tresh thanks him at first and says, "Oh, I owe you a favor." But then later on, he's like, "You've got to help me." Right, get back right, to the real yeah. World, that know? was so. weird. Um, it's like they couldn't decide which way they wanted to go. Um, but yeah, so we get stuck, and then um, he's like happy about getting stuck at first. They move uh, his body to a mental inst- facility. Um, right, because in the real world, he's basically unresponsive. He just blinks. Right, right, right. Just a dude in a coma. Fresh. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And then after that, um, Angelos are obviously like already uh, off the machine and back in the real world or what have you. And it's after that that they then go to the carnival scene mm-hmm. that we already kind of talked about. Um, and they end up getting into a big fight at the carnival. They get arrested, uh, which I love that they use like a voiceover in the middle of their fight. You're going to jail. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Just to establish it. Like we couldn't have, as the audience figured out that they were in a fight in the next scene, they're in jail. Comic book fans but, are um, really dumb. They like fart jokes. So they need everything explained yeah. to them. Yep. And it was at this carnival that Angelo met back up with the girl in real life. Mm. The girl he had a crush on or right. whatever. And, um they kind of like walked around for a little bit and then they run into the jocks again mm-hmm. and that's how they end up getting into a fight but this time uh all the other ex teens or whatever help out um they end up in jail mondo uses does... his powers um which is which, oh yeah he grabs like a rock yeah or something. and then one of the bullies tries to punch him and of course you know his hand basically shatters because the guy yeah he, he's hard as a rock to use a yeah. black Lack of a better Which, term. Which honestly, I thought that that actually made Mondo look pretty smart. Yeah. Because he's like, hey, I don't, I'm not, I don't have to hit this guy. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna let him hit me. Right. So uh, um, I actually liked that a lot. I thought that was a pretty good idea. And that, uh, you know, uh, pays off for later because, you know, of course we have to get that uh, that scene. This might be jumping ahead a little bit where. Uh, basically, te- the teachers, uh, Banshee and Emma Frost, are, uh, you know, giving the old, I can't believe you guys screwed up so bad and went into town and blah, blah, blah. And that's uh, the White Queen talking. Or, and in the back... Emma Frost. Yes. Um, and But then they leave. Oh, yeah. And so she expels all of them. Uh, or she expels Mondo. And then, of course... They're a team now, so they're like, uh, you know, if you're gonna expel him, then you have to expel me because it's my yeah. fault because I did this and that. And um, yeah. By the way, I love the way Mondo uh, gets expelled though because he's like, uh, you know, they they give them the third degree about how they're not supposed to use their powers mm. uh, in town or around people, mm. and then Mondo admits to it. He's like, hey, what happened? Uh, which I mean, but this isn't really what caused the fight, and really they didn't use their powers during the fight. He just says, hey, I had touched a rock before that. Right, right. And the way he says it, it almost sounds like he didn't even mean to necessarily. Like, it might have been accidental. Mm-hmm. Um, I touched a rock before that, before he hit me, and blah, blah, blah. And then she goes, Emma goes, I really appreciate your honesty. Mm-hmm. Your yeah. <laughs> well, I mean. She says, actually, I appreciate your honesty. I'll tell your parents right. uh, that you were honest, but you are Right. Well, they went out of their way to make it to where, uh, you know, Emma is the hard ass or the bad cop and... Banshee is the good cop, um, basically, because yeah. after they leave, they have a little um, discussion. Uh, they reference someone else, uh, I guess, who the White Queen felt, or I keep calling her that. No well, one yeah, calls so, her that like anymore. Said, like, all the kids say, well, if you're going to expel him, expel mm-hmm. me, blah, blah. They all do that. Right. And Banshee then is like, let's have leave us some time. So that means yes. I'm going to theater some of my lucky charms. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh and yeah so they have a chat and they reference someone who i guess died previously that emma frost student um, or something. felt responsible for but then uh banshee just you know used the luck of the irish to her his irish charm to convince her otherwise um you must have had an accident in the mild concern room. <laughs> uh. <laughs> that's what happened like they slipped on a banana peel or something like that um yeah yeah and uh so basically he convinces her otherwise. And uh, I don't know, I, I realized that, man, like 
Banshee had very little to do in this entire film. Like it was all like Emma Frost all the time for the most part. He mostly just stood around in the background. Um, yeah. They probably, I mean, I'm glad he was there, I guess, comic book wise, but if they wanted to like keep their budget low, they probably just could have got rid of them. I mean, they really only needed yeah. uh, Emma Frost. Um, but like you said, they, I, they, you know, needed the good cop there. Sure. Um, but, uh, but he, they, he, so their punishment ends up being that they're grounded for 30 days, which kind of sets up the reason why Angelo then needs to use the dream machine to visit uh, his girl. I can't remember what her name mm. was, but the girl that he's got this interest right. in. Right. Uh, and that's when they end up dancing. Yes, yes, there you go. And, um, and then that is also, after that, that's when Tresh comes back and he's like, hey, you know, I need you to do something for me. He's, he was like, you like that girl? And he's like, yeah. He's like, well, I'm going to need you to do something for me. Like, you need to get my uh, body back. And um, I mean, at least like Angelo wasn't just like, sure. He was like, no, no, it's in a prison. Like, no, no, count me out. And that's when we're delivered like, <laughs> like oh. the most, I don't know, I guess insensitive. I mean, it is, it's funny in a B movie horror. I mean, he is the villain, like for that matter. You'd never get a it was so over the top, mm -hmm. so unexpected. I, I laughed too, but it was like not a that was funny, mm -hmm. funny laugh. It was like, like, oh my God, they I know. That. I was like, that got on TV on Fox. He he calls him a multi-dimensional. You want me to say it? <laughs> Did Oh, I missed this. I was I was talking about what he says about his little sister. Oh, that comes after. Yeah, he calls him. All right, I'll just say it and then hope. I mean, whatever. We don't have enough people to get canceled anyway. He he goes, listen here, you multi-dimensional wetback. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, I mean, I wasn't that surprised mm -hmm. uh, about that. I mean, is that like not that offensive or or... I mean, no. I mean, you know, it's clearly like a race, like a sure. I mean, it's term. not good. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I, I, I guess I would, because it's 1996. Mm -hmm. I wasn't right. too surprised. Sure, sure. I as a as a Hispanic man, it's something I've heard. And I don't. Know. <laughs> I guess that's why. I, it's I awful. Just, uh, <laughs> um, um. But anyway, yeah. so yeah, then we're treated, and it just gets like worse from there. Then um. All right, he threatens him. Almost as if, as if, it's almost like the line about his sister was to make you forget about the reason <laughs> they just said. And uh, I, I thought he said something else prior to what comes next, but he, you know, magically creates uh, his sister out of nowhere. And then he goes, or how would you like it if I mind rape that little sister of yours? And then he licks the actress. I'm like, oh. Yeah, like what was, and she's young. Uh-huh, yeah. For... I mean, she is She is not like an adult actor, mm -hmm. you know, being used to play a kid. She's, she's I don't know, like what, 11 uh, or so? Mm, I don't think she was that. Way. I would say maybe 16, no. maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't well, think she I, was I that. She was pretty tall. Um, But I mean, That's... it's still creepy. I mean, I hope it wasn't a choice made by Mr. Frewer, or if anything, hopefully they talked about it ahead of time and it wasn't a surprise for her. And hopefully everybody got paid and was okay with it. But uh, but man, yeah, Whew. that was creepy. Yeah, no, I think I, I'm sure it was expected. Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, I think she would have had it. Oh yeah. 
reaction. Yeah, she yeah. She just kind of just kept, keeps making the same face she was already making. Yeah, yeah. For uh, sure. <laughs> That's true. But, but yeah, I mean, I will say, at, I'm not defending either of the things he said mm -hmm. here, but at least it was like the most evil person in the movie mm -hmm. saying it. Sure, sure, you know? sure. I mean, and it's it's not. Yeah, like you know, Refrax was. I mean, he was treading on pervy ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it would have been way worse to me if like Refrax would have said it, or, sure. or you know, yeah, yeah. See, like, things, or even if the jocks had said right. it. Right. Right. I mean, at least, yeah, you're right. I mean, at least he was a bad guy doing bad guy things, which I feel like we uh, uh, definitely lack, like, bad guys doing bad guy stuff these days. It's all, yeah. they're all... But, but I also feel, like, very uncreative also. The, like, yeah. like, they just, like, were, like, kind of, like, bottom of the rung, like, really, you couldn't think of a better way, like... Fart jokes, man. Uh, fart jokes. Yeah, like, how do you go from fart jokes? It's, like, very weird, this movie tonally mm -hmm. um uh human hyper release said that would have been an unforgivable unforgivable ad lib uh yes <laughs> yeah can you imagine if you're her parents and like this guy just ad lib licking well or, i mean know? there's a lot of like horrible stories of like you know ooh, we didn't tell the actress we were gonna do this because we wanted to get a uh you know a real oh, reaction. reaction um exactly we don't want our actors to act yeah well, I mean, hopefully those days are are long gone. Um, but uh, yeah. anyway, so uh, against his will, Angelo, um, he, how does he get the body out of there? So he tells him that he doesn't need the whole machine to get him out. He just needs the headset and a transistor, I don't know, something like that. Basically, he fits it all like in a duffel bag. Mm -hmm. So he goes to the hospital. Uh, it's low security, which they do say it's minimum security. Uh, by that, I guess they mean no security right. because he just walks into the room, hooks him up to the stuff, brings him back. And then he, as they're like leaving the hospital, he's like, all right, well, I'm done helping you. Angelo says like, you know, like I'm done helping you, whatever. He's like, no, no, no I need one more thing from you, Angelo, your brain. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> it, it reminded me of like the short, I don't know what he listening is going to know about this, but the short film you did where it was like the tuna sandwich. Uh, oh, that was my, then, my song, the song, the tuna sandwich, the song, yeah. the video with the brain. Oh yeah. You like get like a brain in it anyways. Uh, anyways, the way he said your brain reminded me of the way he said, and then I ate it. <laughs> uh, but either way, uh, you should probably cut that out. The no way, I'm leaving it. Talking. But uh, yeah, and then the thing I don't get is Angelo has these powers, right? Mm. And he does nothing. Like Max, Max Headroom, uh, Trash, excuse me. You know, he's like a really skinny, unimposing guy. Mm. No muscle on this nope. guy, skin and bones. He should be called skin. And it's true. He just like takes him and like ties him into a machine. It happens off camera, mm -hmm. but like next thing we see, he's like got Angelo tied down to like the dream machine. Oh yeah, yeah, that was um, yeah, they definitely skipped over <laughs> what was probably an important scene, um, just because they they would have been like, huh, well, how can we film this without Skin using his powers? Eh, let's just not film it. Um, yeah, but uh, like at least if like Trish would have had a weapon or I don't know, a syringe of drugs that he like mm -hmm. was around yeah. or, you know, cause they're at the mental war, right. you know, even though that would have been like tropey, at least some kind of explanation. Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess they were just, they were running out of money, I guess. So they just had to get it done. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see, there's um, 
So our, we're basically at the final confrontation now, uh, more or less. Yeah. Jubilee finds out that uh, Angelo is strapped to this machine because Angelo uses his mental right? abilities. Mm -hmm. They've awakened just in time. Yeah. And uh, he, like a little ghost, a force ghost of him, visits Jubilee at her bed and like tells force her ghost, uh, what's going on. Right? Yeah. Kind of, that's what Basically, it was. Right? Yeah. And, then, mm -hmm. and then tells her, hey, I'm trapped, uh, blah, blah, blah. This is where I'm at. Uh, and then Jubilee tells uh, Emma and the rest uh, of the Banshee team and everybody yeah. else what's, what's going mm -hmm. on. Uh, we didn't uh, touch on what uh, Tresh was wearing at this point. He's like wearing some sort of kimono or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, he's right there in the shot that was just. Yeah, uh, it'll it'll come back in a second. Um, but yeah, so all right, he's about to, I don't know, eat his brain, like do something to him. And then finally, the rest of the the cavalry uh, shows up. Um, don't, but they don't all sort of come at him at the same time. Like somebody shows up first. I think it's either M or maybe even Jubilee. And then he delivers another uh, pretty funny and kind of creepy line where he goes, hold on a minute, honey. I'm just going to get my Barry White albums. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, I find that pretty hilarious. Um, um, but you know what? He had another funny line, too, before they showed up. Um, he was about to start drilling into Angelo's head. And this, like, did make me, like, legitimately laugh out loud. Angelo has, like, this kind of, like, curly, kind of, like, poofy mm -hmm. hair. Uh, unkempt kind of style. He's about to drill into his head, and then he stops. Tresh stops, and he goes, "You know, there's something I got to tell you. I got to make a confession. You probably think I'm this terrible guy, blah blah." And he says, "But uh, I really, your hair's off, and uh, <laughs> I, I, you, I know you think I'm this awful guy, but I can't let you." Basically, he says, "I can't let you die with that kind of with that hair." So then he pulls out like a razor. He's gonna give him a haircut. <laughs> yeah. See, I just wonder. I'm like, I just wonder. If if any of that was... Are we supposed to hate this guy or like yeah. him? Like, yeah. It just felt like ad lib. Like a lot of ad lib from, uh, yeah. from Matt Brewer. Um, and he doesn't give him a haircut. No, uh, but so I mean, that days. hair is basically the hair from the comics um, on, on skin. Well, that's good. Yeah. For... Oh, did you think it was weird that like, so before they show up to save, to try and save Angelo, uh, Emma gives him a big speech, right? Mm -hmm. to, to, the, to, the, to the kids. Uh, about what they're going to do, how it's dangerous when you see the portal open. Oh, she says, I'm going to take his entire building, the building that Tresh is in, and put it into the dream world because it's a real place that exists. Right. She, she explains it's a real place. It's always there. It's just that's when she says, like, humans just, you know, they don't have the psychic powers developed to access it. But so she's going to move the building there, aka, we don't have the budget for things. Mm -hmm. uh, so the fight's going to take place there. And she can't help them because she's going to be using all her powers mm. to like keep the building there. Um, so that's how they all get there. Because that's another thing. Well, how did they all right. like right. manage to? They, to they don't have so the least, what? What is the uh, X Men plane called? The Thunderbird, the Blackbird, something like that. It's definitely not the Thunderbird. Uh, black. Yeah, it's I the Blackbird. I'm pretty sure it's the Blackbird. But uh, yeah, so like just real weird. And also they have a little moment where ref refracts uh tells them uh tells buff mm -hmm. that like finally i guess he hasn't explained this it's been like like a week and he just now finally explains to her hey my power is activated mm -hmm. but i looked away before i saw anything and they smile at each other and i guess they're okay oh, wait you left out a line he said i just want you to know that you're buff and still the stuff <laughs> he did not say that. Ah, I just... <laughs> 
No. And then they started playing but Marcus Buff Bagwell's WCW theme. It was real, real weird. That would have been awesome. Um, he should have been in that movie. But anyway, um, yeah. So, it, I mean, it's funny. You say that she took the whole building and put it into the dreamscape, yet they only battle within that one room for the most part. Uh, and if, if you want to even call it a battle. Uh, and... There's a lot of people sort of standing around, not and watching what's happening in front not of them. Using their powers. Exactly. And I mean, basically, to talk through the battle, it's uh, I think there's a little bit done by Mondo at the beginning. We finally see Jubilee use her powers. Um, was that the first time? No, no, she did it at no, the very okay. beginning. All right. She did it at the very beginning and then at the very end. Um, and it ends with um, Angelo wrapping his arms around uh his you know wacky stretchy arms around oh we do see refrax use his laser eye power right right. but rather than shoot trash Mm -hmm. with his laser beams he shoots the pipe above trash (laughs) right which gently hits uh trash thanks that reminds me of uh the pilot episode of the the robocop series where robocop can't shoot anyone directly he has to shoot like a like an emergency ladder that's like above them and then it falls on them and stops the criminals yeah 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 yeah, like you said the fight sucks like they're, they don't attack him together. They do like one at a time, Power Ranger style, basically, where instead of joining into a Megazord, it's like, I guess, supposed to be building to them using their powers. Mm-hmm. And then they start to, but they use them very poorly. Right. He like throws M like uh, across, like, oh no, M throws him like across the room. Mm-hmm. But then doesn't he like do the same to her, like as if though he has superpowers? Yeah, yeah, like, that that sounds familiar. Well, no, remember he does he does have superpowers at that point because the X his X right. gene uh, was somehow manipulated by the dreamscape, which makes right. no sense. And, and I guess you're right. And you're right. I mean, I guess that's them alluding to it because then mm-hmm. the next thing that happens is Banshee shows up, blows his Banshee power, <laughs> blows him through a wall. <laughs> Trash blows thrash right. through the wall. He like falls down or whatever. And then there's a hole in this brick wall. But then you see like a much bigger version of Trash's face appear behind it. <laughs> and he's like, I'm starting to think my mutant factor's already activated. Yeah. Oh, man. And then, they this, then they do this great shot where they're like, the camera's like kind of like doing this weird forced perspective shot mm-hmm. of him. And he's like, I'm feeling very omnipotent. <laughs> <laughs> So good, man. Uh, I just wish there was more to watch, like Matt Fewer pretend to be Jim yeah. Carrey. And um, oh wow! So all right, how does this how does this piece of trash fight scene end? I mean, it basically uh, ends with uh, Skin wrapping his arms around him, and then well, well they call Emma Frost mm-hmm. to. Uh, uh, I think Skin uses his mind powers to call Emma, mm-hmm. to tell Emma, hey, open the door or whatever. Right, right. And Emma shows up, and she has a history with Tresh, which we didn't talk about. That's they were true. at some school or university or institute together before, mm-hmm. and Tresh is, you know, the typical guy with the dangerous ideas. Mm-hmm. So we don't want him to do his dangerous He's ideas. He's a Steve Jobs. So they have some history. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and she's Steve Wozniak. Yeah. You know, you know the yeah. whole story. Uh, and she's, like, basically going to stay behind and go down and fight him by herself. So everybody else can escape. 
And he's like, you can't defeat me. And he's like, I'm not going to beat you. I'm going to go down. I'm going to take you down with me. So she's going to basically kill herself while killing him is what's implied. I here. remember what happens now. Uh, okay. But it was actually Skin was planning the whole time to like be the one to make the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. He This effect, I, so he starts wrapping his arms like in circles around mm -hmm. Tresh. The effect, it doesn't look terrible. Mm -hmm. Um. Well, it, it's it's very weird. It's not CG, but it looks CG, even though like it's some kind of physical. Because you see like the way it touches him. Yeah. Uh, anyways, he wraps his arm around him. They then he jumps off like a cliff thing. Right, and they fall into the dimensional whatever. Um, yes. And you think that skin is dead, but oh, don't forget about his stretchy arm. It stretches all the way back and pulls mm -hmm. himself up. And then uh, basically, uh, movie's over. Except for they, yeah. uh, we find them back at the uh, um, the Xavier School. Xavier yep, Pink. exactly. Which they shouldn't be at. Um, and they're sitting around talking, uh, you know, being cool, talking about what they just did. They're playing cards. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and they're playing some weird game. I was it. I was trying to figure out. Was it supposed to be like go fish? But instead, they would say zap. <laughs> Uh, they would like say these weird things. <laughs> That's how and mutants then, play cards, didn't you know? Yeah, and and like at the end, like somebody wins and refracts, or somebody throws his cards down, and on the back of the cards, it's like the Generation X logo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you gotta have that. Yeah, that was another thing is that the um the regular X for like X Men that logo wasn't really used like at all. I guess they had to pay somebody for that. Um, but uh, but anyway, the door opens. And uh, out in a very cinematic style walks a buff in her new uh, red uniform. And I think it's funny, as she's walk walking, uh, Emma and Banshee, they both like flip out <laughs> in perfect synchronicity, right. like uh, uh, some sort of military battalion or something. <laughs> and like, it's weird, the X symbol on her belt is like reflective. It's like reflecting some sort of uh, light that I guess they're shining at it off stage. And um, they're like, here, here, was Banshee like, well, here you go, kids. Here's your uniforms. Uh, yeah, he says, uh, what do you think about your new... I can't do it. That's, yeah, awesome. that's what it was. And I... What do you think about your new uniforms? And... They're shite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like you said earlier, like you can tell like she's not all like super jacked mm -hmm. uh, like they showed her earlier. So it like, makes no sense. continuity. No sense. Uh, human hyperbole was in reference to the card game they were playing. He said that the extreme in all caps version of Go Fish. And that makes sense for the 90s. You know, everything was extreme. Yeah, yeah. These these kids have a lot of tood, a lot of 90s tood yeah. um, for sure. And then, all right. And thank God it's, uh, or thank someone, thank Stanley's ghost. It's over at that point. Yeah. And I guess it wasn't successful enough to warrant another movie and or a series uh, at that point. Uh, so, uh, Yehel, do you think this should be remembered or should it be banished to the black hole of obscurity, never to be referred to again? It should definitely be banished. Uh, it's, it's a man, like, like I said earlier, there's a few good ideas, right? And a few attempts at like weaving together a coherent story. Mm -hmm. 
but there's also like a lot of disconnect and like this movie doesn't seem to know what it is or what it wants to be. Does it want to be like a goofy B movie that doesn't take itself too seriously? Does it want to have like a villain that's super, you know, villainous mm-hmm. or a lovable like weirdo? Right. Um, and there's lots of like other like small weird things that we didn't touch on. And I like uh, Mondo has like weird body dysmorphia issues. He's like super competitive. Mm-hmm. And like at one point he's like, oh, but I still look good. Right. Like about his muscles. He or doesn't something. like jello like, either. Yeah, 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 because he wants his muscles to like look good right. and hard or something. Well, and, like Reflex has to reassure him. Yeah, maybe these are all things that would have been unpacked, you know, had the series like continue forward. Um, like they should have, instead of just only introducing us to like two of the Gen Xers, they, you know, should have unpacked that a little bit, and then and then having them show up to like a football game where they're all, you know, whatever. Like they, everyone should have been spaced out a little bit better. Like they should have had their own moment where you got to see them use their power. And this is at the very beginning. So you knew who all these people were as the movie went on, but I guess they just didn't have the budget uh, to do that. Um, yeah. And, and uh, what's that? Oh, I just, I was just going to say human hyperbole, I think sums it up pretty well. My feelings too. I remember being mad and relieved that the sequel beating didn't go anywhere because i'd like would like like if there was like a part two or more of this i probably would watch it just sure. out of like morbid curiosity but right i'm, I'm also glad there isn't any more right well uh hmm. i mean if there's any reason to watch this movie like if you're a huge x-men fan i think it might be worth it to watch it once uh maybe worth it to, for matt frewer's performance um if you yeah, he puts in a good. If you want to see like a a good white queen or Emma Frost, why well, they need to really make uh, choose one or the other. Like there's a good one here, although she's not on screen very much. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess only for like the extreme X Men fan, or if you like uh, sort of '90s time capsule movies. Like if you want to see what was like popular when this came out. Uh, that might be worth it, but uh, otherwise, yeah, you could probably just <laughs> skip it. Yeah. Just watch. I, I would actually say this is not a great movie for X-Men fans because I don't know. I mean, outside of it following some of the things from Generation X mm. pretty well, like uh, you don't get like ac- a lot of action. You don't see a lot of powers being used. You're not going to see many characters that you're familiar right. with. Yeah. Um, well, you're, you know, you don't... you're correct. I mean, I was saying maybe if you're a completionist, like if you have to see yeah. everything. Yeah, I guess if you're like a super fan. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, uh, let's see. Um, let's go back to the main screen. There we are. And I think that is going to do it for this episode of um of obscurity now is there any any final thoughts about uh generation x or about anything in general before we uh call it no no i i i think i'm ready to have this part of my x life uh <laughs> have it uh excised from your memory yes excommunicated from go oh, i think that sounds excellent <laughs> Yes, let's uh, execute the end to this podcast, or, <laughs> or just execute me, whatever ends this uh, X generation. Uh, all right, you win. Um, all right, well, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, make sure you uh, subscribe to us on uh, YouTube or wherever you get podcasts, and we will see you uh, next Sunday. And remember, it's not obscurity soon, it's obscurity now. Mm-hmm.
You've been enjoying Obscurity Now, a podcast that's recorded live to tape and broadcast to Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube. Take us with you by following the download links provided in the show notes. And take notice of our various social media links, if that's what you're into. I'm not here to judge. And make sure you join us live next week at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, as we continue to discuss more obscure media only on Obscurity Obscurity Now. Now.